Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else, which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working towards the day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. 2020, knowing Him more and more, knowing me. Welcome to your Carl House and now, our senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. Say after me, say, Our Father, in the name of your Son Jesus, today and throughout this series, we ask for fresh understanding as touching the leading of the Spirit. As touching the leading of the Spirit. Anywhere we have heard, as touching listening to the voice of your Spirit. Today, we receive correction. We receive clarity in the name of Jesus. To make right decisions as following your obedience. Together as a church, we behold Jesus, your son, as he sees us in him. He is glorified and we are edified. Amen. Hallelujah. Take your seat. Praise God. Okay, so today... We start a new series. I have been tossing up and down looking for a title or a team. So I've settled on Are you listening to God's Spirit? Are you listening to God's Spirit? Are you listening to God's Spirit? It's a question. It is what we call a rhetorical question. Are you listening to God's Spirit? So after creation, you hear God say something to man in Genesis chapter 3. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. From verse 8. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 8. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God mm-hmm. amongst the trees of the garden. Mm-hmm. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, And the Lord God called unto Adam and he said and to said Adam, unto him, mm-hmm. Where art thou? Where art thou? And he said, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked. Because I, I was naked. And uh-huh. I hid myself. Mm-hmm. Verse 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Who told thee? Who told thee 
that thou was naked. Who Has told thee that thou was naked? Uh-huh. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? Have thou eaten of the tree where I commanded you not to eat? Now, when you look at God talk like this, it sounds as if God doesn't know what has happened. But that's what you call a rhetorical question. If God doesn't know where Adam is, if God doesn't know whether Adam has eaten, then he's not God. Are you with me? Now, rhetoric is one of the ways God passes the message of his word across to us. Rhetoric is one of the ways God passes the message of his word across to us. Rhetoric is one of the ways that God passes his word to us. You can find Jesus talking like that in Luke chapter 24. Look at Luke 24 verse 19. Luke chapter 24, the verse 19. Mm-hmm. And he said unto them. And he said unto them, what things? What things? So Jesus is asking what things as if he doesn't know what things that have happened in Jerusalem. He said unto them, what things? Uh-huh. And they said unto him. And they said unto Jesus. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Which was a prophet mighty indeed and worth before God and all the people. Mm-hmm. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to, the con- to be condemned to death. And have crucified him. Okay, because of time. Let's look at verse 24. Verse 25 and to, to 27. Verse 25 to 27. Mm-hmm. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27. Mm-hmm. Then he said unto them. Then Jesus said unto them. O fools. O fools. And slow of heart to believe all, all the that prophets the prophets have spoken. The next one is a, is a rhetorical question. He says what? Ought not Christ to have, suffered, not these Christ to have suffered these things. And to enter into his glory. And to enter into his glory. So he's asking a question. But the answer of the question is in the question. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Mm -hmm. he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So I said, rhetorica. Okay, let me help you define rhetorica. Rhetorica or rhetoric means to ask a question that has its answer. Rhetoric. Rhetoric is R-H-E-T-O-R-I-C. Rhetoric means to ask a question. To ask a question that has its answer. To ask a question that has its answer. So the question has its answer. Is that clear? So the word of God can be passed on or the word of God can be passed across 
to us in a form of rhetoric. The word of God can be passed across to us in the form of rhetoric. Another example is in First Corinthians chapter twelve, twenty-eight to thirty-one. First Corinthians chapter twelve. Can we all go there? First Corinthians chapter twelve, from verse twenty-eight to thirty-one. First Corinthians chapter twelve, the verse twenty-eight to thirty-one. Mm-hmm. God has set some in the church, first apostles, Mm -hmm. secondly Mm -hmm. prophets, Mm -hmm. thirdly teachers, after that miracle, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, verse 28, Mm -hmm. are all apostles. Are all apostles. Are all prophets. Are all prophets. Are all teachers. Are all teachers. Are all workers of miracles. Are all workers of miracles. Have all the gifts of healing. Have all the gifts of healing. Do all speak with tongues. Do all speak with tongues. Do all interpret. Do all interpret. 31. 31. But covert earnestly the best gift. The best gift. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Hallelujah. So, this scripture, there is a rhetoric in there. That is, you have to pay attention to the question to get the answer. So, I'm asking, are you listening to the Spirit of God? Are you listening? To the Spirit of God. Then there's a twist. Sometimes there are people who every minute God said, God said. I remember my early years in ministry. I'm still young and still in my early years. Um, there was a woman we used to pray for. Um, at Snitch Flat, and she, she, she can come up with very interesting things. The Lord said, I shouldn't open my windows today. The Lord said, I shouldn't eat today. The Lord said, I shouldn't greet anybody today. The Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. It got so weird that one day we have to ask a question. Are you sure it's God you are listening to? I know one of the things we do in charismatism is that we easily throw about God said. Sometimes when you are talking to somebody, the arguments can cease when they say the Lord said. But the question we need to ask ourselves, whatever you are saying, is it the Lord who said? Or your mind is speaking to you. Or you are hearing another voice. When it comes to the subject of hearing the voice of God. Or being led by the Spirit. 
It is not a subject we can rely on an old information. When it comes to the subject of the leading of the Spirit, it is not something we rely on a reserved knowledge. Let me explain better. You see, if your best years are in your past. A better way. If all your statements, those days, the way I used to pray. That is, the time you used to pray is those days, not now. It will be difficult for you to be sensitive to the things of the Spirit. It's like the subject of love, walking in love. It's like the subject of any subject actually in Christianity. The more you keep hearing, the more effective you are in. Practical example again for you. Somebody said to me this week that he remembers when the, uh, Pastor Chris and the team came the first time and were asked to go out for evangelism. She said she felt like a burden. She, she didn't even know how am I going to start. What am I going to say? Do I even qualify to preach the gospel? But after the second time, they went out with us. The third time. Now, there is a joy in her heart. Anytime she steps out to go and preach. Why? When you fellowship around something, it becomes part and parcel of your life. So when you are not used to hearing the voice of God, or when you are used to, I remember, in my prophetic age, uh, you know, I have to say that some said, I've lost my prophetic gift. So let's assume I've lost it. Those days I was very prophetic. I hung around prophets who, most of the time, whatever they hear is negative. Every time somebody is doing somebody, somebody is a witch, somebody is this. When you hang around people who hear God in a certain way, or they presume God speaks in a certain way, it becomes part of your life. So some people, the only voice of God they hear is negative. Anytime they see, God is telling me. Anytime they call you, you know they have had a bad dream. So for them, God's voice is always on the negative side. You know, once today I was praying and preparing for service, I was amazed. That more than 90% of that my prophetic life, let me even make it 90, let me be candid and fair to myself. 98% of all I heard about God said was either on material things or negative things. Nothing called gospel. Or let me say just 2%. That I heard God speak concerning somebody doing his work. You are going to be rich. You are going to get stroke. Your wife is going to do this. You are going to have a child. And can you imagine that God's heart beat his souls. Yet he speaks to people more concerning material things than his heart beat. 
Is somebody here? I'm going to say that again. If according to scriptures, God's heart beat his souls, men being saved, men coming to the knowledge of the truth, yet when he speaks prophetically, he's more concentrated and interested in who becomes a president, who is going to die, who is going to be this, than his heart beat. Question again to you. If you have a need, the greatest need in your life, and you meet somebody who can solve that need, when you go and sit before them, would you tell them things you are not so much interested or the things that are number one on your heart? So how can God be busy talking about things that you can get or become without God? And his heartbeat is not the focus of our prophecies. Is somebody here? That the first night, if you survey, I'm speaking as a prophet. You can even call me retired prophet. So I have a right to some of these things. You see, names don't define you. Your works define you. People's perceptions are not important. What is important is doing what God has said you to do. So don't worry about that. That's why I say you can even call me retired prophet. But when you look around, most of the time, all that God wants to do in a year, none concerns evangelism. None concerns the gospel reaching places it's not been to. That we serve a God who is more interested in political issues. We serve a God who is more interested in material. He is more interested in your material prosperity than your spiritual growth. It's a serious matter. That's why we need to ask a question. Are you listening to the voice of the Spirit of God? Or you assume you are hearing God? That's the journey we are going to take. So that, I'm telling you, we'll get there, so many things to talk about. You will realize that there are some things, as we go through the teachings, there are things you thought God told you, you will know that God didn't. And then a time will come, you ask yourself, okay, what happens when I realize what I thought was God was not God? What do I do next? Are you here? So, it's a journey throughout all of September and October. We are going to answer questions. I've said to you, by the grace of God, my teacher say, I, my teacher lies calling, he said one of my nicknames is by the grace of God. You see, one of the things you, you have to understand is that the Bible was written for our explanation. So God won't allow 66 books to be written. And we'll still have questions we'll get answers in heaven. I don't believe in that. I believe if we are properly taught, all these nagging questions in our minds, they have answers in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. Sometimes when you hear people talk about homosexualism, you know, how they are very passionate, it's as if it just came. Do you know when Sodom and Gomorrah came? Do you know how long that is? So there are so many things we are screaming about. It's new because maybe you just got exposed to it. So there are several things the Bible teaches that if we take our time, we'll come to that truth.
So are you ready to write? Okay. Next point. So the subject of God's leading and guidance. The subject of God's leading and guidance. Is very essential. And fundamental. To the faith. The subject of God's guidance. God's leading and guidance. Is very essential. And fundamental to the faith. That is, in our Christian walk, that subject of God's leading and God guiding you is very essential. And number two, it is very fundamental. You can't be a Christian or call yourself a true Christian and you don't know what God is saying. Sometimes we have a lot of Christians that are confused. Or should I say most of the time? Or let's be fair. A lot of Christians are confused. On several subjects. Now, the truth is, next point, the truth is, if we get it wrong in the teaching of, if we get it wrong in the teaching on the leading and guidance, if we get it wrong on the teaching, on the leading and guidance, we may never be able to follow His plan and purpose for our lives. This is key. If the believer gets it wrong in the teaching on the leading and guidance, we may never be able to follow His plan and purposes for our lives. That is, if I don't understand that subject of God's leading and how God guides us, as a believer, I may struggle to understand or know God's plan and purposes for my life. So, you, you, you can ask a lot of Christians and you ask them, so what do you think is God's plan for your life? I don't know how many people can answer that. Because sometimes how leading and guidance have been taught in our churches or what we have known as we were growing up concerning God leading you, God guiding you, is so wrong that we don't even know God's plan and purpose for our life. I said to somebody, you see, one of the things I grew up with again is the fact that any time I need direction, I need a prophet. And it's become a norm. So, a lot of Christians don't have direction in their own personal life because they don't have a prophet. In fact, it has been propagated in the prophetic sector 
that until you have a prophet in your life, you can't have direction. If you are a good Bible student, you understand that most of the time when they quote such statements, their reference is in the Old Testament. And don't forget, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was not spread abroad. The Spirit of God comes upon an individual. So in the whole of Israel, Prophet Elijah, Elisha, was the one who the Spirit of God comes upon, and they have a word for the whole nation. And they all go to him, because the Spirit of God came upon an individual. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, in the Church of our Lord Jesus Christ, the prophecy is that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. So do we still go to church to go to a man that only God speaks to one man That without that man hearing from God for us, these are questions we need to answer. Are you here? So I said, if we are not taught properly on this subject of leading and guiding, we may never follow. We may never. That's very serious. Like my pastor will say again, you end up doing effectively what you shouldn't have done at all. So there are a lot of people, they are doing things, not because God told them, but because they saw somebody do it. How many times did we have the old yakal house, somebody goes to town and comes, Papa, I went to this church, they were doing this, let's do some. They meet you, I said, let's do some. So, question, is the church being led by the Spirit? Or we are just looking at others. It's like how even some Christians live. They see their friend going to Togo. They also want to go to Togo. The fact that somebody is doing something. Doesn't mean you should automatically do it. Hear me. You can't be a Christian. And be led by circumstance. That your point of direction is that something happened and you thought it was God. We have to look at these things. Are you being led by friends? Are you being led by your emotions? Are you being led by your own ambitions? Pastor friend of mine came today and said, Charlie, we have wasted time building structures. Oh, Corona has showed us pepper. So I'm saying the question is that at the end of the day, will you sit back and say, I have effectively done what I shouldn't have done at all? You'll be surprised. Some were driven. That ambition they have, it was driven by envy. Or oh, let me use a very nice word. Some, their direction is by competition. Adieu, Mm. 
Eko Europe and Kata. So, what is your motivation? You call yourself a child of God? What is directing you? As a Christian, next point. Or even as a human being, direction is crucial part. Direction is a crucial part of our human existence. Direction is a crucial part of our human existence. You can't be a human being without direction. You can't be a human being without direction. If you are a human being without direction, you go for anything. Anything goes. So, direction is a crucial part of our human existence. Next point. And at certain times in our lives, we would definitely need to make a decision. This is very key, this point. I said direction is a crucial part of our human existence. And at certain times in our lives, we would definitely need to make decisions. Some of which may include the work of ministry. See, direction is very key. I had friends when we were in first year in Opokuari, they said the Lord has called them. So they stopped school. Was it the Lord? Or what was it? So everybody, at every stage of your life, you need direction. You need to make a decision. And that decision can make or destroy you. And some of the decisions, it concerns the work of ministry. Two, we have to make decisions in the area of spouse. Spouse, the choice of a spouse. A believer can't just marry. Because you have gotten the features you want. A believer can't just marry. So, in taking decisions concerning the choice of a spouse, you will need direction. Because a wrong choice of a spouse can mess up your life. You need to make a decision on a choice of location. Some people are bent on traveling by tender by fire. And the friend says, say, me to do America, but me will create one. Some people just want to step there. But again, as a child of God, you don't take a decision on a change of location. You want to move. Listen, forget about America and Europe. Even if you want to move, let's say from Dansoman to Ofanko, don't just say because my money can afford this, I just move. Christians don't take decisions like that. 
And as we go on, you understand why. You see, any, any carnal person can do anything. Because they don't have God and they don't need God's direction. But if you call yourself a Christian, you can't take decisions like you own your life. The child of God cannot take decisions like you own your life. You have been bought with a price. You have an owner. He says, take heed of the flocks whom God has made you an overseer, whom he purchased with his blood. He says, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. The first one is Acts chapter 20, 28. The second one is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Yep, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6, 18, 19 rather. Read that one, let's see. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple? Know you not that your body is a temple of the... Which is in you, which ye have of God? Please speak aloud, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and mm-hmm. 20. Uh-huh. What? What? No, you know, Don't no, you, you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which is in you. Which is in you. Which ye have of God. That you have of God. And ye are not your own. You are what? Not your own. So when you are a Christian, you are what? You are not your own. Why? For ye are bought with a price. Because. Therefore glorify God. He says because you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. So the believer can't just take decisions like that. You don't use your feelings to take a decision as a child of God. Some even take decisions because they are mad. Asking they are angry. Some walk out of divine relationship. Some walk out of churches because they were offended. And they were the same people they said God told them to be here. So God asks you to come. But anger asks you to go. <laughs> oh God, have mercy. Are you following me? So we will need direction concerning decisions of work. Or business. A child of God doesn't get a job and the only motivation is the salary. Some have gotten jobs with fat salaries but have stopped them from coming to church. And you think God opened that door? The work that takes you out of God's house and then you are deceiving yourself is that you'll be sending the money to help God's work. Who says without your money, God's work will move on? So before you apply for a job, before you accept a proposal, ask yourself, did you hear God? That's why my question for this, the next few months, weeks is that, are you listening to the voice of the Spirit? Or you are allowing your rent to... To direct every stage, any move you make. You are jumping into just anything. Because you have a need. 
telling you, a work can take you out of town. And ask yourself, that out of town, where will you fellowship? I've gotten a job. Oh, they are giving you, hey, Papa, they are giving me four bedroom house and a car. Oh, is that Obwasi? But I'll try that every two weeks. I'll be coming into church. You think you are doing me? And some people have been entrusted with souls who got saved because of you that need discipleship. And what is informing your decision to move? You think God value four bedrooms to the soul? So we need direction. In the choice of a work. The business opportunities. Thank God for business opportunities. Question. How much would it take from you? Is God interested in your physical life more than your spiritual life? We need direction on crucial decisions. Like the choice of educational institution. I say this. I, all my friends were going to Cape Coast. All my friends. All my friends. So we all decided to go to Cape Coast. I believe somebody prayed for me. I don't know how I ended in Opokwai Secondary School. I didn't choose Opokwai first, second or third. It was not a choice on my list. Yet, I got to Opokwai Secondary School first year, first time I got saved. I don't believe if I had gone to Cape Coast, I'll be, I'll be a preacher. Trust me. I don't believe if I had gone to another place because I encountered the Lord in the classroom from a student. That same school is what built prayer. That prayer life. They used to take me to a park in Kumasi called Pajo Park. 18 hours. Non-stop. Vacation. They would take us to Atria. We would climb the mountain and pray. So my Christian life. I'm sorry to say this. The type of Christian prayer in Kumasi. It's different from the one in Accra. I'm telling you. I'm not being tribalistic. Please don't get me wrong. But that's the truth. Some things are the truth. I lived in Accra and I schooled in Kumasi. The kind of prayer training I got in Kumasi, I'm telling you, I don't think I could have gotten it in Accra. Sorry, Cape Coast. Because Cape Coast was where I wanted to go. You have people who want to leave school, who left school at 14 years, 15 years, to go and do God's work. So you can't be a Christian and just choose on your own. Have you ever prayed about where you want to do your master's? Have you ever prayed about which institution? 
Could it be God taking you to that institution so that you can be a vessel to be a blessing to somebody? Oh, we are just following friends. We are just following friends. My friend said the auntie lives in this area. So when we go to school together, I've had people do that. I don't know if you've heard such stories before. Where because of your friend's auntie, you choose a certain school. And then before you get there, the friend's auntie is dead. Hello? I remember my first time I went to... Was it America or London? The first time I went, the person who asked me to come. I got to the airport, the person didn't come. Hey, Pamina, me pray It was winter. I stayed at the airport. For seven hours. The person didn't come. My last cash on me was $50 because I knew they were coming to pick me. Bruh, I have to eat. No food. Because if I drop that 50 maybe yo, maybe yo, bo, maybe yeah. 50 my last calo. When I ask people what's the distance from where and the address I have, they said is what? Like four hours from the airport. I remember I made one of the wonderful Johnny Just Come mistakes you do. You see, there's something they call Johnny Just Come. That's when you, when you are new to a place. Brothers and sisters, I went to New York and I picked a black cab. Do you know a black cab? Yeah, I know Yabi. A black cab, they have a timer. As, as they press on the accelerator, the thing starts reading. And we were stuck in traffic. As we were stuck in traffic, I could see my money and my life running down. <laughs> my money and my life was running down on the black cab timer. Because the timer shows you how much you owe. So you can see where there's no... Bra, I so mommy. No, no, no. There's nothing like that. The black cab will show you specifically. The, the timer is there so you can see the driver too can see. So I can say, Sir, can you press on the accelerator? As we are going in the black cab, we have not reached... Because I stayed at the airport for more than seven hours, eight hours. Cold was killing me. So I took it. It's okay. Let me rather take a cab. Johnny just come. I saw the black cab. I jumped in. He said, are you sure you want to go with me? He said, it's about four hours. He said, oh, let's go. Then he says, even before he moves, it's 50 cents or something. That time. And Santa Claus, not the car 50. Less than an hour to the thing, my $50 was gone. By the time I got to the place they were taking me, I was owing more than 300. And I didn't have. So people take decisions based on somebody. My friend's mother is there. What if the person is not there? And because you have not prayed, your life is messed. Is somebody here? So we need direction on crucial issues. Concerning our life. 
Next point. Now, the fear of not making the wrong decision. The fear of not making the wrong decision. So the fear of not making the wrong decision has driven many into the fear of not making the wrong decisions has driven many into indulging in erroneous and fatal practices. The fear, I'll take that again, the fear of not making the wrong decisions has given, has driven many into indulging in erroneous and fatal practices. So, sometimes people don't want to make a mistake. So, the fear of not making the wrong decisions has driven many into indulging in erroneous and fatal practices. What I mean is that because some don't want to make a mistake in their decision, they end up doing things that are even not reasonable. Have you ever done this before? I remember those days when I want to read my Bible. I don't know what to do. So it's Holy Spirit. As I turn the Bible wherever it opens. <laughs> That's where. <laughs> or, okay, if you want to buy, let's say you have three men. They write their name on paper. They close it. As I'm throwing it up, Holy Spirit. The one that will fall to the left. So if the one that falls to the left is not good, the middle is still not the right. But the one that will fall on the right, Lord. <laughs> People have done all manner of things all in the name of looking for direction. Looking for direction to life. So when you don't know how to hear the voice of God, you end up doing things that are not scriptural. God, if you don't want me to go, let it rain. A Christian does not involve in lottery with God for direction. God does not lead us by chance. Is that what you hear? So, you don't use a wrong method or you don't use an unscriptural method to get direction from God. You don't use a wrong method or unscriptural method to get direction from God. It's very important. Anyhow God will direct you, God will never direct you outside His word. God doesn't do that. What I mean is that God won't use anything that contradicts His word to direct you. God will never do that. So, it's either people are engaged in wrong practices trying to find direction to their life or some resort to giving their life to chance. That what can come, can come. 
or others who use that mantra. Kisere sere. Whatever will be, will be. There's nothing like that in our walk with Christ. There's nothing like, oh, if God said, it will be great. If, if you sleep, you will be great. If God says you use you, if if you smoke weed, you you use you. No, 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 no. You, as a believer, have to learn to hear the voice of God. So that every stage and every step of the way, you will know what God is leading you. What I'm simply saying at this point is, the believer's life is not a raffle. Or try or lock. God doesn't guide us by chance. Anything that comes. If God said it to happen, it to happen. There's nothing like that. What God said it to happen that happened was salvation. There's nothing called automatic. If there is that automatic happening, He will give you His Spirit to guide you. When you don't understand the leading of the Spirit, that's why you will say things like that. And people in their immature way, pastors have preached it. What is written is written. Like my friend said, the grapher, the grapher. In our walk with God, there is a walk of obedience. Even Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Bible says he humbled himself upon what God has said. If Jesus said he would do it, it was over. So in the leading of God is that iota or that thing called obedience. That God can direct you and you can choose to listen or not listen. So it's not that God is bulldozing over our choices. Mm-hmm. That's why even though God knew Adam would make the mistake, God could not stop Adam than only give him his word. Did you hear what I just said? God knew Adam would make a mistake. And just like every one of us and every choices we make, God has a role in our decision making. And his role is that he speaks. And your role is to obey. Not told Adam. The day you eat, you will surely die. That is God's role in his life. To give him guidance. And his role is to obey God's guidance. So if you take your own path and you struggle, not your own. In the coming weeks, we think about this. Some people think, if God said it, I shouldn't be struggling. <laughs> If God said it, you shouldn't be struggling. And the reason why, so you can deceive yourself that because you are having results, because everything is smooth, you think it is God. Hear me? If results is what you use to judge God's voice, you are in trouble. You will be saying what I have been telling you. Then you end up doing effectively what God didn't send you at all. 
So a lot of people have built great, great cathedrals, gathering people, questioning. Are they feeding them what God wants them to be fed? Are they doing effectively what God does not expect them to do? Some have churches, they are teaching how to cook. And the people don't know how to even read their Bible. But they are having series on how to cook Jorov. Thank God for development of talent. But till you read the Bible to understand that as good as some of these things are, that is not the place for the church. That's not the place for the church. The church has its place. Your family have their place. Your mother, mother, has her place in your life. So that if we don't know what our role is in your life, the pulpit will be saying things that the pulpit shouldn't be saying. So we're teaching how to shave. And what scripture are we going to use to teach that? So we'll paraphrase a verse. You know, we'll paraphrase. You know, we are, we are very innovative. The Bible says, give what to Caesar to Caesar. And what to God to God. So if you don't shave your armpit, and your armpit smells, don't blame God. So question, why did Jesus say, give what to Caesar to Caesar? Does he apply to everything of your life? If you do that, a test of scripture can never mean what it never meant when it was first written. Hear me, I have come to understand in my small life in ministry that you can use the Bible for anything and it will make logical sense. You can give every reason to say what you want to say. And one of the things we forget is that as Christians, we will appear before God and be judged by our decisions. We shall be judged, every one of you, including me. To give account on every decision. So whatever I decide to teach you, how I decide to run the church, I am going to account for. Because the church is not mine. There is a man who every pastor. So imagine... That on that day, they open the book and say, Hey, Reverend Silas Bevel, your congregation, what did you teach them? Say, My Lord, you know the economy of the country. <laughs> you know the economy. My people have to make it so that they take their place in the marketplace. So I taught them spiritual financing, how to strategically, with the oil of the Lord, possess your possession. The Bible says we shall possess our possession. 
and the children of Israel. You know, there used to be that scripture. Upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. And the house of Jacob. Oh, you are possessing your possession. You are possessing. <laughs> oh, God. Next point. The reason why a believer will live his life to chance. The reason why a believer will live his life or her life to chance. Is simply because. He or she lacks the understanding of God's provision. Of leading and guidance for his children. I'll take it again. The reason why. A believer, a child of God will live his life to chance. What can come or come? Whatever will happen. If God doesn't permit. The reason why a believer will start talking like that is simply because he or she lacks the understanding of God's provision. The believer, when he lacks understanding of God's provision of leading and guidance. When the believer lacks the understanding of God's provision of leading and guidance for his children... A fact that is well underlined and explained is the scriptures. I'll take it again and explain it to you. I said the reason a believer will live his life to chance is simply because he lacks the understanding of God's provision of leading and guidance for his children. A fact that is well underlined and explained in the scriptures. So what I'm saying is that if you read the scriptures, it is well explained and underlined how God leads and guides his children. But when a believer lacks that understanding, he then resorts to other unnecessary ways to get direction. God, if I'm stepping out today and it rains, it means you don't want me to go. You want to go. The reason why you see a Christian behaving like that is because that Christian lacks the knowledge and understanding of the provision. What it means is that God has provided leading and guidance for his children. God has provided leading and guidance for his children in the scriptures. They are well explained and underlined. So to your thought, you wouldn't know that, oh, God has explained how I can be led. In my decisions and in my choices. Sometimes when I teach you, I have a little pain in my heart. And the pain is that how I wish I was my pastor. I don't know if you get what I mean. I wish I had a pastor who taught me the things I'm teaching you. 
that if for about 30 years of being a Christian, if I knew some things that you are knowing now, sometimes it's sad that some members won't even come and benefit from. And the, you know, sometimes I had a friend, a governor of one of the states in Nigeria, he had a, a, a quote. He says that deodorant is so important, but those who need them don't use it. Forgotten the exact way he quoted it. So the importance of deodorant, those who need it most, they don't use it because they don't know. Some people, they are in a crossroad in their life. They need to hear this teaching to help them. And they would rather be engaged with other things. There's provision in scriptures concerning the leading and guiding God provides for His children. God will never give back to you and leave you to chance. Ah! Now you, you, you a human being, ask your father and mother, why they want you? Hey, sit here. When you sit down, cross your leg. When, 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 when you wake up, go and brush your teeth before you come and talk. Say that you want to eat. You say, have you brushed your teeth? Why did our parents do that to us? They didn't leave us to chance. That our parents guided us in every step of our upbringing. Like Jesus would say, even you evil men know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your father which is in heaven. So if we humans don't even leave our children to chance, but guide them through the way, how do you expect that God gave birth to you and asked you to go and find your own way? No. So every decision that believer needs to take, provision for guidance, Provision for leading is already provided in Scripture. But if you are not consistent to teaching, how would you know? So sometimes you have people asking you questions we have tweeted three months ago. They are not coming to ask. So you all go and start the series again. Remember when I asked Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, please, what is the meaning of predestination? He said, have you listened to this, my series? When I go and type, it's about 50 messages. And sometimes I have to finish it. And when I finish it, then you tell me the answer. Because if I give you the answer, you will never learn. I shouldn't just be feeding you with answers. I should teach you how to get to the answers. So we don't learn only for ourselves. We learn to help others. Are you here? Take another step. Jesus' words in the synoptic account, in John's synoptic specifically, is very instructive to let us understand what God does to his children. John chapter 8 verse 12. Let's all turn our Bibles to John chapter 8 verse 12. Jesus makes a very wonderful statement. John chapter 8 verse 12. Please turn your Bibles there. John 8 verse 12. Then spoke Jesus again. Uh-huh. 
Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, Aha. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall He that does what? Followeth, followeth me. me. Underline me. that. He is the light of the world. He that followeth he Jesus. Mm-hmm. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Shall not walk in darkness. But shall have the light of life. But shall do what? Have the light of life. Shall have the light of life. I am light. When you follow me, you can't follow me and be confused. You can't be a follower of Jesus and lack direction. When you follow me, you will have. Read it again. Very powerful scripture. John chapter 8 verse 12. This is Jesus talking. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying, uh-huh. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me. He that followeth me. Shall not walk in darkness. You will not walk in darkness. But shall have the light But of you life. will have. So when you walk, you would have the light of life. So... According to Jesus' statement in John 8.12, Jesus is showing us a distinction between one. A distinction in humanity. Two kinds of men. One, the man who walks in darkness. And two, the man that has the light of life. He that walks, he that follows me will not walk in darkness. Meaning that there are people walking in darkness. And when you are following me and you are not walking in darkness, you have the light of life. So there is a light of life that you have when you follow Jesus. So I said Jesus gives us two distinctions in humanity. Two distinctions between two kinds of men. Two kinds of men. One is a man who walks in darkness. And the second is a man that has the light of life. Now the dilemma then will be. How to understand what Jesus meant by he that followed me. He says, he that followeth me will not walk in darkness, but will have. So we then have to find out what did Jesus mean by he that followeth. Because when we find he that followeth, we will find the one who has the light of life. Is that okay? When we find that man, we will see a man that is not walking in darkness. First John chapter 1. 1 John 1, 5 to 7. 1 John. First book of John. The epistle of John. Just before Revelations is somewhere. 1 John. 
So that it simply, 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 simply means I have received grace. So I become gracious to people. Whatever I have received of God, it reflects in the life of others. That's why I keep telling people that Christianity is not how you love God. It's more of how you love men. Because the love you have received from God, you share with men. I'll be doing that series in, on Sundays. That's all. But let's focus on the light here. So he says, if we say we are in the light and we say we walk in darkness, the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all righteousness. So I said, my point on this was that. Jesus and John, like we read in John chapter 8 verse 12, talks about walking in darkness and walking in light. The man that walks in light is the man that has Jesus in their life. Because Jesus is the light of life. When we say somebody is walking in light, it means the man has received Christ in their life. Because Christ is the light of life. So when I receive Christ, I have received light. Are you here? And if a man is walking in darkness, that man is not having the light of life. When a man is walking in darkness, he hasn't received Christ. It's a very simple principle. I'll repeat it again so you get it. When we say somebody is walking in light, it means he has received the light of life, which is Christ Jesus. So when you receive Christ, you have life. When we say a man is walking in darkness, in quote, an unbeliever, is because that unbeliever has not Christ. So anybody who receives Christ walks in light. Because God is light. If somebody hasn't received Christ, he is in darkness. And the reason a man will be in darkness is because they don't have Christ. Is that clear? Okay. So in essence, the man who has believed in the gospel, in essence, the man who has believed in the gospel, a man who has believed in the gospel, is in fellowship with the Father, into brackets, the light. A man who has believed in the gospel, is in fellowship with the Father, into bracket the light. Because he had said God is light, right? So when you, you believe the gospel, so my believing the gospel is what puts me in fellowship with God. My believing in the gospel is what makes me have fellowship with light. And then because I believe the gospel, I receive the light of life. Does it make sense? When I believe in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, what has happened to me is that I receive Christ into my heart. And Christ is the light of life. Does it make sense? That's what it is. Anybody who receives the gospel, because in the gospel is salvation, and salvation is only by Christ Jesus. So when you believe in your heart, 
that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible says like in Galatians 4, 6, He says, God has sent forth the spirit of His Son into your heart. When you believe the gospel, you receive light. You receive the life of light. Exactly. So the term walk in the light actually was to further explain our fellowship with the Father. The term walk in the light was to further explain our fellowship, relationship, union with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. So anybody walking in light, he's simply saying, you have fellowship with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. That's why our fellowship is with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ, who has cleansed us with His blood, all our sins. Is that clear? So in John chapter eight verse twelve. He that followeth me is the man that has believed the gospel. Well, in John chapter 8 verse 12, he says, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. And we have heard that, or we have learned now that, the man that believes in the gospel has received the light of life. So, the follow there in John's synoptic was to refer to the person who believes the gospel. Is that right? So he that believes, so we can write it as, he that believes in the gospel shall not walk in darkness. Is that clear? I'll be running up soon. We'll take one scripture and then I'll continue next week. I'll take that again. The last one I said. So he, when, when Jesus said in John 8, 12, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. He was referring to he that believes in the gospel. So it simply means that you can't be a believer and walk in confusion. You can't be a believer and not have direction to your life. Can I give you an example? Ahead of time. We'll close with this. Before we read the scripture. Have you seen they are playing music? You can't really hear the music they are playing, but you can hear they are playing music. The reason why you don't know the exact song they are playing is not that the music is not playing. It's because you are not paying attention. When we pay attention, we can know what they are talking about. Exactly. God has been speaking. You have not been paying attention. So it's not God that does not direct you, know. You have not paid attention to the voice of God. So when the believer is taught how to pay attention to the voice of God, they will now find the direction that has already been provided. You can't be a Christian and say, God, you don't know what to do. There's nothing like that. No. You have not learned to pay attention. And that's why we are having this series. To teach you. Are you paying attention? And some of us. 
we have become so stubborn to God's voice that we don't even hear again. Because when He leads you, you overlead it. You keep ignoring it. You have been ignoring it. So now some of the things you used to pick up, you are not picking up again. Romans chapter 8. The last scripture for the day. Romans chapter 8 from verse 1 to 10. Romans chapter Close 8, the verse 1 to 10. Mm-hmm. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ that Jesus, are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh who walk not after the flesh but after, after the, the spirit. spirit. Aha. For the law of the spirit of For life, the law of the spirit of what? Life in Christ. Life Jesus, in Christ Jesus has made me free. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. From the law of sin and death. For, For what, what the, the law, law could not do, in that, in that it was weak through, through the flesh, eh? mm-hmm. God sending His own Son, God in, the sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, and for sin, condemned sin in the condemned flesh. sin in the flesh. That the righteousness that the, the righteousness law of the law might be fulfilled, might be fulfilled in, us, in us who walk not after who the walk flesh, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh, for they that are after the flesh. Do mind the they things mind of the, flesh. the things of the flesh, but they, but they that, that are, are of the, the spirit, spirit, the things of the spirit. So you can't be of the spirit and not mind the things of the spirit. You can't be born of the spirit and take decisions on happiness and take circumcisional decisions and take decisions because you are angry. I'm quitting my job. I won't go there again. Continue. Six. Six. For to be carnally minded. For to be to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded. But to be spiritually minded is life. Is life, and you have peace when you listen to the voice of the Lord that is speaking all the time to guide you. There's peace. Come. Because the carnal mind is enmity. Because the carnal mind is an enemy to the to the spiritual mind. For it is not subject to the law of God. For it is not subject. The mind is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the so flesh. So then they that are in the flesh. Cannot they God. cannot please God. But when you take decisions based on logic. How be getting there? When you take decisions based on your feelings, emotions, you can never please God. If the reason you are taking the decision as a child of God was that it made sense, not spirit, you can't please God. So some of the interesting things we do, I've said to myself that by the age of 28, I should be married. Me, when I say I'll do something, I do it. The moment a believer speaks like that, God is not in charge of your life. Because, So since you have decided you want to do this, where is God in that? 
You have to think. When you are so ambitious and you decide you will do it no matter what, question you should ask yourself. Would you go and when you are hitting the wall, you now come to God? Or you go, if I perish, I perish. So there are some people, they are very stubborn. It doesn't matter, even if they are dying. They are struggling to pay the, 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 the rent. They will still live in and die. You know, some understand they have made mistakes. Oh. <laughs> some years ago, I rented a house. I was paying thousands of dollars. And it got to a stage, it became a struggle. One day I advised myself. The Bible said, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Why Why? You want to give testimony? Do you know where I live? I'm the only black person who lives in my is that one to an achievement. Is it a, is there a reward in heaven for struggling for foolishness? Sometimes you ask yourself, you are biting more than you can chew just to please men. Like how young young men of today, young women, they'll go and do wedding that will Collapse their <laughs> their future children. Ne wedding Generations yet or more will come and pay your wedding debt. And say to the glory of God. To what glory? There's nothing material that brings glory to God. Stop deceiving yourself. If you find out what made Jesus rejoice, where there's rejoice in the Bible, it's got to do with souls. Jesus never rejoiced because somebody bought a new car. And the whole church is screaming, Praise the Lord! Have you seen a queer car? A queer girl a Prado. Yay! And pastor is somersaulting in the pulpit. Let me close with this story. So I heard uh, 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 a member of a church in Nigeria went to the boss to invite the boss to their coming convention. This convention is, is going to be fantastic. And then on their flyer, they have written the kind of things that God was going to do at the convention. Are you looking for a husband? Do you want a brand new car? See Sister Joanna. Sister Joanna used to drive an Opel. Now Sister Joanna drives a BMW. So the boss looked at the thing. He said, ah, is that the things your God has been doing? Then I'm better than your God to come and worship me. Because I give, because if your, your, your God has been giving BM, I've been giving range over to people. So I am better. You have to come and serve me and stop that God. If he will take you through process, me there is no process. There are so many things we do, we think it brings glory to God. It's because as Christians we've not sat down to understand the heartbeat of God. God will never direct you. Outside of his will and his heartbeat. Every direction God will give you has the gospel attached to it. This is the beginning of this series. I trust God we're going to have a great time trying to solve that question. Are you listening to the voice of the Spirit of God? God bless you. This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support, and counseling. 
please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you and there's nothing you can do about it.